Hey there, everybody. So happy to join with you today, as always. What a gift it is to all of us that we get to come together. <coughs> Something in my throat here. There we go. <laughs> happy Monday. Happy Masterful Living. We are so blessed. Still got something in my throat here. Give me just a moment. Okie dokie. (laughs) Ah, So grateful for our class. Gosh, I love listening to your community calls. So beautiful to hear the depth of your sharing, your willingness to be transparent. It is truly, truly healing. So grateful. Hmm. Let's join together now. And open our heart, open our mind to the highest possibility of love. So grateful that we can choose to know the perfection of love. Taking these breaths of love and gratitude, joining together with the higher Holy Spirit self. We call upon all that is holy. We call upon the planetary hierarchy. We call upon our ancestors. We call upon the angels, the ascended masters, and all the beings of love and light to support our healing at this time. We recognize I am that I am, and I am one with the I am presence of every being everywhere. So grateful that this is so. We are grateful and thankful to consciously declare that we are willing. We're willing to join together in perfect love to know the truth that sets us free. We're consciously willing to join together for the purpose of our healing and the conscious surrender of that which no longer serves us. The moderator has left the conference.
back again. <laughs> so grateful and thankful to claim our spiritual destiny of healing, of expansion, of clarity, of oneness, of wholeness. We are consciously choosing to celebrate our willingness in our class today. We're consciously willing to take responsibility for our life, for our feelings, for our situation and circumstances, and we are consciously willing to be a healing presence in this world, in our own life, in our family, in our workplace, wherever we go, whatever we do. So we are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the flow of unprecedented love with our very life. We are grateful and thankful that we can share the benefits with everyone and we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Hmm. All right. I'm going to share some of the violet flame prayers here. And this is from page 42 in Patricia Cotarobel's book. I am going to share first this mantra. It's a beautiful, simple mantra. It's very easy to learn. And it goes like this. Transmute, transmute by violet fire all causes and cores not of God's desire. I am a being of cause alone. That cause is love, the sacred tone. Transmute, transmute by violet fire all causes and cores not of God's desire. I am a being of cause alone. That cause is love, the sacred tone. Transmute, transmute by violet fire all causes and cores not of God's desire. I am a being of cause alone. That cause is love, the sacred tone. And the other one on that very same page is more of a meditation. So I'm going to invite you to join with me now. And I'm just going to do a backup on my cell phone here in case my Skype goes out again. So just give me one second to do that. Okay. All right. Here we go. I am a force of the violet fire more powerful than any human miscreation. I am in breathing the fifth dimensional violet flame of limitless transmutation 
into my heart center. And I breathe it out through my heart chakra into the core of every person, place, condition, or thing in my life, conscious or unconscious, past or present, through obvious choice or karmic liability. As this sacred fire floods the earth, the violet flame transmutes every electron of precious life energy that conflicts with the perfection within the twelve solar aspects of deity. The violet fire is loving every point of my universe free. I am free. I am free. I am eternally free. And so it is, beloved I am. Beloved I am, beloved I am. So I'm going to offer this again, but first I'd like to explain some things. The we've we've talked about the violet flame and you've listened to Patricia Cotos Robles teachings on that, the audio I put in the podcast of your class. And I also put in a meditation that she offered uh, in that in our podcast. And then if you're listening to the Stop Playing Small Classes, you've got another class from her, including insights and instruction about the violet flame. And so I found that the violet flame is the most powerful tool I know of to heal negative beliefs, upsetting feelings, addictive compulsive thoughts and behaviors, any emotional upset, karmic residue. It's a it's an absolutely powerful miraculous healing tool. One of the simplest ways to invoke it is just violet flame, violet flame, violet flame. Fill my heart, my mind, my life. And it is the energy of transmutation aligning with divine love and divine will. So when we invite the violet flame into our awareness, into our heart and our mind and our life, we're inviting restoration. We're inviting healing. We're inviting cleansing. We're inviting forgiveness. People have healed illness, emotional trauma, all kinds of things with the violet flame. I certainly have transformed so much using the violet flame. So even though... A Course in Miracles doesn't teach specifically about each of the great rays. It only speaks in five different references to the great rays. I feel compelled to share this with you because I would feel completely remiss and like I was withholding if I didn't share with you. And what I love about this, I am a force of the violet fire prayer or meditation. I'm going to go through it line by line here. I am a force of the violet fire more powerful than any human miscreation. 
So Course of Miracles wouldn't call it miscreation. Course of Miracles wouldn't say that it's possible to miscreate. Um, and what I would say is human miscreation is anything that you have energized from the ego, from a belief in lack and limitation, fear, doubt, and worry. That would be a human miscreation. Then next it says, I am inbreathing the fifth dimensional violet flame of limitless transmutation into my heart center. So in our heart, there, there are, in our very beingness, are these aspects of light. So when we see a rainbow, we're seeing seven different aspects of light, those seven colors in the rainbow. And there are more in the full spectrum of light than just those seven colors. And these are the 12 solar aspects of deity that Patricia talks about in this book. The 12 solar aspects include the violet flame, and the 12 solar aspects are the full spectrum of light that we can align with. It really is our true nature because we are light beings. So in my understanding, when we call the violet flame, we're really igniting it in our own heart and projecting it outwards. Because there's only one, so while it seems like I'm here, you're there, there's only one. And so since we're all light beings and we're all the full spectrum of light, when I'm invoking, let's say, the violet flame, I am invoking it into my awareness and projecting it out into the world. All that we are is light. So it's really about just bringing things into your awareness. If you're experiencing lack and limitation, poverty, consciousness, if you're experiencing health challenges and things like that, nothing is wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with you. It's simply a belief, known or unknown, being made manifest for the purpose of purification, healing, of awakening, of calling it to your attention. Nothing is bad or wrong. It's a journey. It's like if someone makes a painting that only uses black and white, is that bad or wrong that they're only using two of the colors that are in their painting possibilities? Does that make them wrong or bad? No, of course not. It's a choice that they're making of what they'd like to project through their painting experience. So someone can say, oh, I've got these beliefs that there's not enough. There's not enough love. There's not enough money. There's not enough time. There's not enough hope. There's not enough 
whatever to have a healing. There's not enough momentum to get over this problem. There's not enough downtime. There's not enough employment. I've got this belief in not enough. And I'm going to shine this belief. I'm going to shine my light into this belief, rather, and see it show up in this area and that area and that area so that I can really explore what it's like to shine my light into this belief and see it made manifest. And then, upon seeing it made manifest, I'm going to consciously choose to eliminate that belief. I'll recognize the suffering that it creates when I project it out into the world, onto my body, onto my life, onto my relationships and finances and creativity. And then I'll recognize, oh, this is not what I enjoy. This is not my purpose. So I'm going to eliminate this belief from my mind and let all beings have a healing and be transformed because of my willingness to work with my mind. All healing is at the level of the mind. So in the prayer here, I am in-breathing the fifth dimensional, fifth dimensional, fifth dimension and above. In, it's, in, in our experience, is really when our attention and awareness is beyond time and space. So someone who has attained awakening consciousness, enlightenment consciousness, like Jesus, like Buddha, they don't make mistakes anymore. They don't make errors. They are not projecting. They are consciously creating with God. Fifth dimensional awareness and above, you move beyond time and space, and all that you would cause to create would be expressions of God, beauty, truth, love, wisdom, freedom, perfection, wholeness, etc. But in, when our mind is operating in a third dimensional or fourth dimensional awareness, we're still working with false beliefs and clearing them out of our mind. So I'm in-breathing the fifth dimensional violet flame, the pure, in other words, pure energy of limitless transmutation into my heart center, which is the kingdom, which is what I am, the kingdom. And I breathe it out through my heart chakra into the core of every person, place, condition or thing in my life, conscious or unconscious, past or present, through obvious choice, or through karmic liability. So what I'm doing, I'm breathing in this energy of limitless transmutation. It's that heart center is that center of creation and projection right there. It's the mind that's in the heart. That's our main intelligence. That's our God connection. So we're talking about purifying there, right there. Transmuting false beliefs right there. 
And what I love about this, it's literally breathing in transmutation and breathing out perfection. Breathing it out into the core of every person, place, condition, or thing in my life. And it's really conscious or unconscious, past or present, through obvious choice or through karmic liability. So every person, place, or condition that is something I've consciously chosen or it's a karmic liability. So I'm literally calling for perfection, wholeness, and the transmutation of every limiting belief or thought in every aspect of my life. All of this contained in this simple prayer. As the sacred fire floods the earth, the violet flame transmutes every electron of precious life energy that conflicts with the perfection within the 12 solar aspects of deity. So as we're doing this work, we begin to recognize that we are calling things into form, into manifestation. So for instance, if I have a uh, plant in my home and I neglect that plant and I don't care for it, it's talking to me all the time and if I ignore it and don't don't connect with it, it might wither and die. Happens all the time, doesn't it? All of life is subject to our thinking. Perhaps you have an animal that lives with you and you might notice that this could be an experiment. You might notice that you could uh, adopt an, an animal like Lori did. You could adopt a pet. Uh, and let's say you adopt a pet that is really sickly when it comes into your home. And by your thinking, your loving attention, that pet becomes very healthy and very harmonious and a really loving, beneficial presence in your household. It's not just the pet's personality, because you can do that with a plant. I've adopted plants that seemed very sickly. They belonged to somebody else. I brought them into my home, and I just started telling them every day, look how magnificent you are. Your perfection is showing. Thank you for radiating your love. Thank you for sharing the space with me. Thank you for bringing your loving presence into my life. How grateful I am that we get to live here together. That plant is going to bloom and prosper. I, When I was living in L.A. particularly, I used to have uh, lots of purple orchids all throughout my house. And I love purple orchids. And I would, I was always impressed how they would bloom and flower for four and five months. Just spectacular blooms. And they would bloom again year after year. And people would often come in my home and say, 
is this the same plant that was here three months ago? I say, yes, it's the same one. They're like, oh, my God, how does that happen? It's because of how I hold it in my mind and the energy around it. So we think that we can randomly think all kinds of negative thoughts and it doesn't impact anyone and everything around them, but it sure does. It sure does. I think it's so valuable to prove this in a way that makes sense to you. So this is why I've suggested to get three plants and to really be loving towards one, to neglect one in terms of thought. Just give it the same food, water, and sunlight, but just ignore it. Don't pay any attention to it. If you can, if you can. Could you even say mean thoughts to a plant? I bet you can't. I bet you cannot. And then just notice, for instance, if you have a lot of negativity, do plants die in your field? Or do your pets get sick a lot? Just notice these things. Are you to blame? Of course not. There's no blame. In this world, it's all about just learning. Everything is an experiment. Everything is an opportunity to learn. Nothing bad and wrong. You might paint with two colors or four colors or a hundred colors. We're experimenting. We're discovering. And then the last part is the violet fire is loving every point of my universe free. Yes. I am free. I am free. I am eternally free. And so it is. Our prayer can love us all free, can set us all free. It does set us free. And that's one of the things why so many people who are doing this classwork, they're consciously choosing to bless and pray for everyone in the class every day. And people feel uplifted by it, even if they're not doing any of the work. Yep. They're receptive to those prayers. All right. Any questions about that? Star two. To raise your hand. Star two. Great. How wonderful. All right. So we're heading towards the holidays here. First class in November. Amazing! I encourage you to go back to the beginning of the year and once again look at what you wrote in your workbook about after your the first class that we did. Not the first bonus class, but the class after that where we went through the checklist of negative emotions those numbers, where are you now? Go back to week one of, not the bonus class, the second one. Really, the second class, but the first week of Masterful Living. 
and and go through that again. It's a perfect time to do that. It really is. It will help you set yourself up for more success for the rest of the year and for the holidays. Hmm. So let's focus now on how we can make the most use of the next two months, the rest of our year here. And remember, if all you've done is listen to some of the classes this year, but you really haven't done any of the work, a number of people each year, they repeat the classes and they do more of the work. And that's why I had Moira share so beautifully her experience of repeating the first year several times. If I were taking a class like Masterful Living, I would have repeated it many times myself. So it's so worthwhile. I go back to the beginning every day as part of my practice, just going right back to the beginning. Humility, starting again. What's my intention? What's my desire? To know myself as I truly am. To be truly helpful. To be a beneficial presence. To release all false beliefs and false thinking. To live as the Christ presence. My true nature. Day after day, all day long, going back to the beginning, back to the beginning, back to the beginning. Yeah, still works for me works powerfully too. So looking at the couple of months ahead, let us have a discussion here. What are the issues that get triggered for you in November and December? So think about the things that come up for you in November and December. For me, I've got Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S. I've got my birthday. I've got Christmas. These are triggering things. And as I've shared, I used to ruin holidays in my family. Really just wreck them, train wreck. And I don't need to do that anymore. And I'm so grateful. So let's consciously focus and let's have a discussion. What are the issues that come up for you during November and December? A lot of people have a lot of anxiety that they haven't accomplished this year, what they'd like to accomplish. We can collectively release that. A lot of people have anxiety about starting a new year when they don't feel they've been successful this year. People have anxiety about being with their family and anxiety about not being with their family. People have anxiety about many different kinds of things. So who notices that they have patterns that get triggered during November and December and what are they? What do you already know about them? Start two to raise your hand. Okay. 
Okay, Miles, you are unmuted. Oh, I was clearing my throat. <laughs> Let's see. I it's it's not coincidence that you should be talking about what you're talking about today. I had the most up and down day I can remember having in a long time. Mm. And um literally up and down and up and down and the down the 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 big down was literally despair. Mm. And I and it wasn't triggered by any single event or any one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's related to what you're asking, though. And that mm-hmm. is that I, I'm self-employed. I, uh, what's said about people who are self-employed, if you don't go kill your dinner, you're not going to have any. Hmm. Um, and I worked it out this year. I'm a I'm a consult I'm a management consultant and executive coach. I worked it out this year with several clients that I was getting a steady stream of income most of the the entire year. Actually it's it's not as steady now, but it's still coming in. And I didn't have to worry about it. I just needed to keep plodding along. And I was doing really well. Also, I was dealing with letting go of belief in lack and limitation, which I felt like I do I do know that I let go a lot of that and it and it still pops up. And uh my anxiety my big anxiety this time of year is what the heck am I gonna do next year? Like I'm not going into this year with anything of substance already contracted. And so I have, as far as I know, I have almost zero income starting in January. And it is, it sort of came down on me today. I literally felt like uh, I, I went through, I'm not worthy, I'm getting older, I'm old, I'm sick, I'm uh, all these things. I'm failing at spiritual spirituality. I don't know how you can do that, but I'm doing it in, in those moments of despair. Sure. So... And it's I some I I don't even know what happened. I didn't do anything to have it go away. It just went away. The despair. The despair. And I'm now I'm now I'm now I'm I'm walking the tightrope of feeling fine, feeling good, but I'm scared I'm going to fall off again. I may have mixed a metaphor there. 
but I'm 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 nervous that I'm going to crash again. Mm-hmm. And I can look forward to. I I am not. I got nothing going on about Thanksgiving. I got nothing going on about Christmas time. I you know those I love those holidays and very little could happen that could throw me off. But I I got I I've got a whole new year to look forward to with really very little that's been very little that's been cultivated. In terms of contracts. Yeah. With your clients. Yeah. And and contracts equals money. Mm-hmm. At least in your mind. <laughs> well, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for sharing and let's let's look at this. So one of the first things that you said was that you do have some money coming in, so right now you don't have to worry. That's right. That's, yeah. So when is it that you feel you have to worry? If you don't have to worry right now, how do you know when it's you have to worry, you're required to worry? Well, I'm never required to worry. Okay. Why did you say then that you don't have to worry now as though at, at, in other times you would have to worry if you don't feel you have to worry at any time? Um, because... It's just an habitual way of thinking and speaking. And how did how is why is it a habitual way of thinking and speaking? Um, I don't know how to answer that. Could it be because of what you believe? Yes. That your choices in thinking and your decisions in your behavior reflect your beliefs. I'm sorry, say that again. That the choices that you make in your thinking and your behavior are because of your beliefs. Yes. Yeah, just like everybody else. Yes. So there's a a belief that you have that right now you don't have to worry, but when things change, then you have to worry. And when you have to worry, it's because worry what? Why do you have to worry then? I know that you're saying you don't have to, but somehow you actually believe that you do. So let's just see if we can illuminate that in order to eliminate it. Well, uh, well, I have to worry. Assuming that, assuming that 
just just taking what I said as exactly. meaning as meaning something. I have to worry. I have to worry because I I won't have the I won't have the reality of of enough money to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. Unless you worry. No, worrying no. doesn't help. So why do you have to worry? I I, I keep telling you. <laughs> but you, but when you made that statement to me, Miles, you said. Yeah, I know, I know. Right. Well, but there must be some belief that somehow you have to worry when things change. And maybe some. Saved by the. Cell phone loss. What did you say, Miles? I'm not. Ta- I'm not saying it again. Miles. Y- yes. What was it you said? Oh. Left? When? Just now? Yeah, you said something. I just didn't quite catch it. Oh no, I was actually mumbling under my breath. Oh okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, and I, so I was saying before the Skype call dropped, I was saying, um, does anybody else have this going on that perhaps might be able to just say their beliefs, what their thoughts are about this having to worry? Anybody else feel that sometimes they have to worry. Has anybody else had this come up for them? Does anybody else use that kind of a phrase? I don't have to worry now. Oh, now I have to worry. Okay, Rob's raising his hand. And Grace, I'm going to call on you in a minute. So, Rob, I'm going to just ask you to to share what your thoughts are on this. Sure. Um, give me just for a second. I'm, I'm inside a, an In-N-Out okay. burger now. All right. That's okay. You can just raise your hand. I'm going to drop your hand if you want to share again later. Deb's raising her hand. Hey, Deb. Hey, hi. Hi. I I don't know that I've said I've got to worry, but I know I've thought, well, I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> I thought that part, you know. Yeah, that's the same thing, right? Yeah, only it's just after the fact instead of before. Right. right. And so can you just dig a little deeper into what your belief might be when you're thinking, oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore? Well, often it's around money for me, too, and so it's about lack and limitation, I guess, and not having enough mm-hmm. or being concerned about not having enough. 
Mm-hmm. Even when I have enough. Mm-hmm. Like the bottom's going to fall out. <clears throat> hmm Do you have any sense, and this is a question for you too, Miles, you're still unmuted. Do you have any sense of what you actually believe about worrying? Never mind. I do, yeah. Okay, great. Deb, thanks. Thanks for giving me the, get me off the hook for a moment <laughs> so that I could. You're I welcome. could actually I could actually be still and see something. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I see if I can recap. I think I have to worry if the money's not there in the world in my hands. It, the evidence, the physical evidence, it, if it's there, I don't have to worry. If it's not there, I do have to worry. That's my belief. That the source, the source, that money is real, the source of money is in the world, not in the invisible. Okay. Perfect. Now, let's say I was a nine-year-old child. And when you used the word worry, I didn't know what you meant. Describe to me. So I'm a nine-year-old child. I don't know what worrying is. I have no idea. And you're going to teach me what it is. Okay. So what what is it? It's. It's. Thinking thoughts about the lack of something or the fear of something that isn't going to happen or is going to happen in the future. That it's just a bunch of thoughts about an outcome or of the lack of an outcome that fills the void. I'm sure no nine-year-old would get it yet. So, Yeah. Sometimes it really helps to break it down this way, how do you explain it to a child of about that age? Because that can really help us to identify what it is we believe. So, for instance, when I was training to be a science of mind practitioner and training to be a minister and other trainings that I've gone through that were uh, around metaphysics, Uh, one of the things I was consistently called upon to do with my teachers, uh, they would say, okay, explain that to a nine-year-old child. And if I could easily and confidently and clearly explain it to a nine-year-old child, it was a demonstration that I actually understood what I was thinking. 
because many times I have found in my life that I have been thinking and believing things that I never actually really sat down and looked at, examined, and understood on a conscious level. And so it's really helpful to me to be able All right, I'm getting up on Skype, going to my cell phone. So I'm not sure quite when I dropped out, but um, being able to explain things at the nine-year-old level helps us to identify what it is we truly believe. And for myself, uh, I, I, it's helpful because you'll a lot of teachers, like I, I give the example this, of this that I've been in teachings with many people who are spiritual students who've been studying and reading and studying and reading for many, many, many years. And you say to them, you may have heard me say this, you say to them, or I say to them, in a room full of people, remember, Miles and Deb, you're still both unmuted because I'm going to come back to both of you. Um, so... In uh, If I say to a room full of spiritual students, all healing is at the level of the mind, people will nod their heads and say, oh, yeah, that's true. And then if you ask anybody who's nodding their head, oh, can you explain that to the rest of the room, exactly how that works and why all healing is at the level of the mind? And suddenly now they can't explain it because they don't really know what it means. They've just heard it. And the phrase is familiar to them. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's about moving. That's an ego. Oh, Miles, I am going to mute you out. There's just too much scratching noise. Um, So it's recognizing when you really understand something and you don't understand something. It's just... You've heard the words before, so you think you understand it. So helpful to go underneath the ego understanding because that is just intellect and it's not true insight. It's not true knowing. And the true knowing is what's healing because all healing is at the level of the mind. So, Deborah. You heard what Miles was sharing about worrying. If you were going to um, say anything to a child, let's say a nine-year-old child, says, well, I don't understand, Deborah. Why would you choose to worry? What would you say to the child? I 
have been thinking about that since you asked the question, and I'm really not sure other than uh, I mean, I would probably give them an analogy and say, do, do you have a special friend or do you even just have a friend that you like a lot? And if they would say yes, I would say, so what if that friend would no longer be your friend and you really still wanted them to be your friend and you just kept thinking about wanting them to be your friend, you would kind of be thinking about it, I can't say obsessively to a nine-year-old, but constantly, that would be worrying. I don't really know. I I would like to know what you would say to them, (laughs) because... I am clear that I don't really know how to explain worrying even to myself other than just obsessive thoughts about something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, okay, great, great. So it's about trust and faith. It's about what we believe. So... Speaking to a nine-year-old, here's what I might say, okay? What worry is, is when people are afraid and they think that something is wrong and they're afraid that they're going to get hurt in some way, and they're afraid of what's going to happen in some way. And so they're thinking about all the bad things that could happen. So, for instance, if I'm worried about making dinner, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if what I'm going to make is they're going to like it. I don't know if it's all going to come out at the same time. Will the pot roast be ready when the broccoli is ready, when the potatoes are ready and the rolls are ready and the salad is ready? Will everything be ready on time? I'm not sure that these some of these ingredients are fresh and taste good. I'm not sure that these people like to eat the meal I've prepared. I'm worried that the people won't like it and I won't do it well and it will be full of mistakes and people will be upset and hurt, and they may not like me anymore, and they might feel sick because of what I said them, and people will be unhappy, and they won't like me and love me anymore. So thinking these kinds of thoughts, that's what worrying is. And here's why we worry. Why we think all of those thoughts is because in the very beginning, going back to the very beginning, 
when human beings were first created, we were given everything. We were given the absolute ability to know how to give the food that everyone would like at all times with no mistakes and no errors. Perfection every time. Perfect every single time. It's hard for us even to imagine that we could live that way, always making the perfect choices, always. And everybody being happy every time with whatever we served, whatever we did. People saying, I love that, that's beautiful. Thank you for making that, bringing that, doing that, saying that, sharing that, always, every time, all day long. No mistakes ever were made. And then we started to think, I do it better than they do it. They do it better than I do it. And we started to think these kinds of thoughts, comparing and judging, saying, oh, mine is better, theirs is better. That's judging, that's comparing. And so when we started to do that, we started to lose our ability to create perfection. We began to think we could create something other than perfection, that we could could create something bad or wrong. We started thinking other people could create something bad or wrong, we could create something bad or wrong. And then we started to create those things. We couldn't stop thinking about it. And then we started to think, well, okay, my thing isn't very good, but theirs isn't very good either. And we just started to have more opinions, more judgments over and over again until that became the thing that we just focused on all the time. And we hardly ever said, That's beautiful. I love that. That's so perfect. Thank you for making that. Thank you for sharing that. It's just wonderful. We stopped thinking about those thoughts and we focused more on what we didn't like and we didn't want. And so the natural choices and energy of beauty and perfection and love and freedom and wholeness and harmony, we got disconnected from it in our heart. We became more interested in blowing things up and knocking them down and seeing what kinds of messes we can create, what kind of harm we could do instead of what kind of beauty and perfection we could create. And because of that, we did not feel worthy of creating beauty and perfection anymore. We absolutely lost touch with it. But the good news is, while we lost touch with it in our mind and in our heart, the ability, the power is still there. So we don't have to worry. We choose to worry. Because we no longer feel connected to creating abundance, prosperity, perfection, and allowing it to flow in our life because we don't feel worthy 
of just receiving the all good of God, we feel we have to make it ourselves. We don't feel worthy of just allowing it to happen. So we feel we must make it ourselves. We don't feel worthy, so making it ourselves feels hard. It feels scary. We know we failed in the past. We're afraid we're going to fail again in the future. And then it becomes a habit. Just like it becomes a habit of when you brush your teeth, you start over here and you work your way around your mouth in the same way every time you brush your teeth. Just like when you wash in the bathtub or the shower, you start at one place and you work your way around the same way every day. Just like when you're loading the dishes in the dishwasher, you start with these things and then those things. We just are creatures of habit. And we we fall into the habits because it feels safe. Being in the flow of inspiration doesn't feel safe anymore because we don't feel worthy. We don't trust our ability to discern between ego and spirit. So we just listen to ego. That's it. And we try and manage and cope with things as best we can and control them. All right, we've got other people raising their hands here, but I'd just like to see with uh, Miles and Deborah. Miles, I'm going to unmute you in a moment. Um, Deborah, how does that feel to you? It it makes sense. I mean, I love the description to the nine-year-old and then... Now, falling from grace or whatever you want to call that Adam and Eve story. <laughs> That's about not thinking correctly and not believing we can create and we're provided for, that we have all the goodness. Yep, it's about tr- where we place our trust and faith. Mm-hmm. So trust Trust is is an active choice that can become a habit. So the habit of worrying is placing our faith in the ego, placing our faith in lack. And it's a habit. That's why I love that way that Ernest Holmes called it. He said, Worry is the negative use of your imagination. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to see uh, what I'm going to mute you out. Thank you, Deborah. Mm-hmm. And Miles, did you have anything? Oh, there's my thing. Miles, did you have anything you'd like to add? Uh, I just, I just think that you covered the. I love what you said. I think you covered the whole territory, and I appreciate it. It feels it feels whole and healing. Great, great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And now let's go to uh, Grace. I'm so patient here. Hey, Grace. 
Hi, Jennifer. I actually was enjoying the the conversation. It's so um, healing and whole. Feels whole, just like Miles said. Um, you, we, we were talking about you originally when I raised my hand. You had talked. You were asking what came up for us over the holiday, over the, this time of year, and right. basically, uh, family issues. My birthday's coming up too, so I'm like looking back and, of course, t- asking myself, "Where are you now? And where were you? And where are you going?" And you know, and I, and it's not so. It's not. It doesn't feel that intense for me this year. I'm just more, I guess, in the trusting in the trusting mode, because everything that you said about explaining it to a nine year old, I can really, really relate to that because. Keeping things simple is like one of my mantras. Like just keep it simple, you know. And that simplicity of explaining it to a child helps me to really go back to the basic about trust. Because I think many of us, and and not even just our community, but within our family and our friends, and we just reach out. And I feel that there's a lot of of uh, trust issues going on right now and just knowing that there is a higher power there is there are sentient beings that are that are helping us that I can give it to the Holy Spirit I can put it in the altar and say you know what you you take care of that and this past weekend for the last two weeks I've been packing because I moved on on Friday, I moved from one from one house to another, and moving is an exercise in every every area that you can think of. You really, literally, I literally had to practice letting go and just keeping it simple. You know, like what do I really want? Do I really need all this? And how many pair of shoes do I really need? Uh, you know, and I was just like clearing. I was like the ninja. Just, and it felt good. And even even though I, I felt like I released so much stuff, I still had so much stuff. I mean, even the process of moving, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I need to clear more stuff. Still. And it's that trust and knowing that, knowing that, Everything's fine. Everything I need is here right now. And that's where when I worry about the holidays coming up and the family and blood, you know, and it's it's like that was just the perception that I used to have about how everybody was going to be and how I was going to be. But really, if I'm just in that place, if I am just in my heart, it doesn't matter what else is going on. And I'm really starting to really own that that my heart is where I need to be and everything else is like whatever, you know, it's, I'm, I don't even want to judge it. I don't even, I'm not even interested in knowing why anymore. I just, all I really want to do is be in a place of love and peace and and with the holidays coming up and my birthday and typically this time of year, you know, it, it just, it would be a, it would be like countdown to make sure the Christmas tree looks pretty and the food is good and the gifts are nice and you know and I'm just not into that this 
now, you know. I just really want to do to be more loving and to share to share love and experiences and prayer and 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 I'm and I'm hoping that I will be able to stay in this place so that I can share that with others and I can be a light for others to see and are drawn to. And not just because I thought that if I looked a certain way and if I dressed a certain way and I had a certain car or, you know, that that was what was drawing people. But really, what I what I really want to draw is 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 love and and I want to be I want to be love. I understand, and I really do. Anything more you'd like to say, Grace, about what patterns that have gotten triggered or uh, would be up for you at this in the next couple of months if you weren't doing this work? Oh, my God. Uh, well, and it already started with my family. I mean, I have sisters. I, I think everybody already heard this story. I have eight sisters. We're nine. My father has nine daughters. We're, I have eight sisters. And it's like Petticoat Junction, if anybody remembers that. But all it is, it's like everybody's talking, blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, all that was starting to come up about, oh, about dad and everybody needs to do their part or, you know, just just stuff. And, you know, and normally I would get upset and I would have a resentment and I'd be judging and, and I'd be, you know, but, you know, I see I see my sisters now and I'm really seeing them very different. And I had a big breakdown at one of the community calls about a month ago or so. And that was so healing for me because I see things so differently now. It's like the whining and the complaining and the, you know, it really doesn't help. It, it really doesn't. I mean, I guess it could be healing and, and, and it released and it really did. But honestly, I don't have to stay in that story anymore. And the story that I want now is I want to be, I just want to be in, in a place of love. And it doesn't matter what's going on around me. All I want to see is love. And all I want to see and hear and feel and say, all of that, I just want it to be love. And, and however it pans out, I'm sure I won't be perfect. I'm going to try my best to be uh, love. And I know I have a lot of, a lot of support. And this whole moving this past couple of weeks has been very physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually, all of it. It just involved every aspect of me. And I think that a lot of clearing came with just that, just what I went through. And just trusting. I didn't even know where I was going to move the week I had to move. You know, I it was like I had to move and I I couldn't find a place to move. And I was just like, I'm still packing, I'm I'm trusting, and I just kept doing it. And then the then the place, then I thought I found a place, and then it didn't pan out. And I'm like, okay, four days before I move, and then boom, three days before the 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 place opened, I was ready to go. I didn't stop in fear. I didn't stop and cry. I didn't stop and uh, you know talk to oh my God, I don't know. You know, my prayer partner, Sheila, she's awesome, and her and I talked about it, and it was just more of a trusting thing and not like, oh, my God, what's going to happen, you know? I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that it's going to happen, and 
where I choose my thoughts to be is what's important, not what I think might happen or what anything else. The only thing I want to concern myself with is where do I have my heart and are my thoughts, if I'm not feeling good, that's because I'm not, I need to self-correct. You know, and that's that's all I have, Jennifer. Beautiful. And how how do you feel about the place you moved into? I feel like you know, I feel like I, there had to be like some some like some form of chaos, like 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 it's like it feels sur- like serene and surreal, and I'm not so used to it. And and I know that it's that that I think that it's and I know in my heart I know that this is like a new a new era a new phase a new like my life is just changing my I'm 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 in a nine year I moved a new time I'm going through this process and a lot of changes and I don't know where I'm gonna be I don't know what I'm gonna do I have some ideas I have some inspiration it's all just unfolding in front of me and I'm just gonna just trust the unfolding moment and not obsessed about it and where where is this going to come from and how is that going to happen and how am I going to pay for this and I just I don't I don't want to drive myself crazy with all of that and just like Holy Spirit here you take it (laughs) it's so much easier that way yes I understand beautiful so I I thank you all right thank you great I'd like to go back to the financial issue and, and, and as relates to worry. So, first of all, I'd like to say that I, I talked about clearing these patterns about how we hold abundance, prosperity, and money in my how to stop how to break the habits of playing small class in the first part of it because. I definitely had a lot of issues about abundance and prosperity. And I've definitely had to work with it in my mind. And it's so worth doing that work and really drilling down into what is it that we believe. And... So I, as I was saying earlier, one of the things that I really believed was that caring about money would make people crazy and make them be unkind to the people they loved. As I saw that, or that was the interpretation that I made of it, of things that happened in my family. And I, even though I constantly chose to be unkind and unloving in so many ways, the fear of caring about money was so strong for me. I had an aversion to it. And there was no way that I could be a successful minister and hang on to that aversion of money or any aversion. So recognizing aversions has been one of the most helpful things for me. Anything that I have an aversion to is a place where I can have extraordinary healing very quickly 
if I'm willing to explore what I believe. So one of the things is to really look at the beliefs that are there. So the belief that I have to worry or I don't have to worry. What is the cause of that belief, like we did earlier in the class today? And there may be more specifics that are there for a particular individual. So it might be, well, that's what my uncle always did. And when he would get freaked out and worried, then he would do this or that, and he would find a way to get the money. And so that worked for him. So I believe that's what I have to do. And, or something like that. Worry is always placing our trust and faith that, in the belief that we're on our own and that the infinite love of God will never support us. And then we see places in our life where people who will say, I'm going to trust in the Lord to provide, and then it doesn't work for them. But the only reason it doesn't work for them is because they're saying they're going to trust in the Lord, but they don't trust in the Lord. (laughs) So this is why I encourage people to have that divine experiment experience where you place something on the altar and when the temptation comes into your mind to worry or have fear or doubt about it, you do not take it off the altar if you remember what I taught about prayer. So Miles, re-listening to those weeks of prayer power back early in the year could be really helpful to you. Same with the weeks on trust and faith. When we believe we have to make things happen, then we are not in the flow of inspiration. Just feeling this right now. All right, Rob, I I see you've got your hand raised there. Do you have a question? because we're at the time uh, for the end of the class here. So any final question there, Rob? Actually, it's more like a comment. Um, It's going to be different than what I was going to say earlier, but making a a long story short, I see that the universe is putting things into my life for a reason. Like, for example... A friend of mine has been bugging me, uh, you know, to to keep keep uh, track of my results every day. Um, and I just told him last night that I was going to create create a, a spreadsheet with my daily results and and share it with him on on Google. And then today at a team meeting, my boss tells me. Uh, you need to be more productive. You're you're getting enough leads, but you're not getting enough appointments. So here's here's your new responsibilities, and you know, gave me you know, making a long story short. So 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 I'm 
I think, for lack of a better word, planned. And uh, and uh, what happened last night, and then I'm going to share the spreadsheet tonight, and and then and then today I was told I need I need to increase my productivity, and I'm not going to be doing any training training for the time being, and until that happens, and so so I'm just noticing noticing that that things are in synchronicity, shall I say, or whatever term you want to use. So now I just have to, you know, use what you said and the divine experiment and et cetera, et cetera, um, and um, affirmations and to uh, – there's a song that comes – that comes into my mind. It's called "Turn the Beat Around" by Vicky Sue Robinson. To turn the beat around in terms of my, my, uh, you know, increasing the number of appointments that I get. So that my boss, you know, is happy with my with my appointment production in addition to my lead production. So that's what I was going to say. So what I'm hearing in those things, Rob, is these are things that you're getting ideas to do that you how, – how do you feel about the doing of them? Do you feel like you have to do them, you should do them, you need to do them, you'd love to do them, you'd like to do them? How does it feel to you? Um, I have mixed feelings, to be honest. There's times when I feel like what Miles was saying earlier in terms of, of, uh, of, uh, you know, where are the appointments going to come from? And, and, you know, where's the money? Well, I don't have any issues with money for the time being, but, but where, where are the appointments going to come, going to come from? Long story short is, is it's sort of like a love, a love-hate relationship in terms of uh, sometimes I'm sometimes I'm in, I'm in a good state of mind about it. Other times I'm not. So, do you need to know where the appointments are going to come from? Uh, no, no. But that's what my mind is 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 telling me. I I just. What I'm what I'm focusing on nowadays is just is just serving people and being in the flow of the conversation and and not forcing them to to do things because when I've done that, you know, and they've made appointments, they've just cancelled and, and they make me look bad because yeah, I got an appointment but it cancelled and they track the can and they track the the cancellation of our appointments too. So so I'm just working on on, you know, locating people that 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 have an interest in that. And you know and, and go and and say, hey, I'm not I'm not here to sell you anything or twist your arm, but if you have an interest in lowering your bill, we can help. You know, what works best here, nights or weekends and et cetera. So So what if you were to shift your approach from trying to locate people to allowing people to be drawn to you so that you can offer them what they're looking for. Well, and that's what I said in the past. I think I, 
I think I said that when I was talking to a, to Akash last night. Um, you know, is 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 I forget my exact words, but it was something. It was it was something along those lines about about being drawn to people and saying the right things to the right people and etc. So, um, so, so what that's right. What I'm suggesting, Rob, is that people can be drawn to you. And I'm just going to – I know you have more to say, but because of the lateness and the time, I'm just going to say a final thought about this and then close uh, us out. I was, I was done. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you, Rob. So because, for instance, that's more or less how I operate. So, for instance, I'm I'm offering a, a, a class, a workshop, things like that, and my intention is is that those that can benefit will find me. They'll locate me. So rather than me looking to find students or participants for my classes or clients, for counseling, rather than me looking for them, what I'm interested in doing is really being clear about being of service, being truly helpful, and about being receptive. Now, I've learned a lot about receptivity, and Grace is talking about her birthday. So... When I was 40 years old, and I remember very clearly in September of my 40th year, I went to my spiritual counselor, and for the first time I had to say, I can't pay you my full, your full rate. And so I'm wondering if you could take less than your full rate. Right now, I'm trying to choose between putting gas in my car, paying my phone bill, buying groceries, and I know that having a session with you will really support me and times are really challenging for me financially. And um, she said, of course, yes, I can do that. And I always made it a point that with my spiritual counselor, I always had in my mind, that if I pay anybody the full rate, it's going to be them. Because that's the most valuable thing for me, is that spiritual support. And not to ask for a discount or even a temporary, but I did ask in this case. She said, well, what's your prayer work around the prosperity and abundance? And so I said, well, I pray to be prosperous. I pray to be abundant and to know abundance and to know prosperity. And she said, and when you make that prayer, do you feel like you believe it? And I said, well, sometimes, sort of, kind of, not always. She said, okay, here's the prayer. I'm going to invite you to practice. Practice being receptive to abundance and prosperity. Pray to be receptive. 
pray to eliminate blocks to prosperity and abundance that are in your mind. Pray that. So I started praying to be receptive and to release the blocks. Well, at that point, I I might have had $20,000 in credit card debt, and I was living alone, struggling financially, like I said. Well, within a month, I believe it was, I had a former client of mine when I did some financial consulting, and I did financial, I did bookkeeping and things like that, and I helped people coaching them with their doing their organization of their finances and paying their bills and things like that. And you teach what you need to learn. Mm-hmm. I know that. And so I um, I got a call from a client who said, I am closing out this venture, and my financial person just left, and they got another job or whatever it was, and I'm wondering, could you come in? I don't remember how long it was, maybe four months or six months. Could you come in and help me? Wind everything down. Now, at that time, the the company was in New York. So I was living in Los Angeles. And so she said, you know, I'll pay for your airfare. I, I said, I'm, I'm in practitioner training. I can't not be there for class every week pretty much. And I have volunteer service that I must do on the weekends. So she agreed to pay me more than I'd ever earned before, and by a long shot, and she agreed to pay for my living expenses and my round-trip airfare every week for months. I paid off that $20,000 in a few months. And during that time, and I was still praying to be receptive, and during that time, I had my 40th birthday. And after my birthday, I was writing thank you notes, and I wrote something like 65 thank you notes for all the gifts that I had received. And let me tell you, I realized that receptivity is key. Receptivity is key. And receptivity is tied to worthiness. It is tied to worthiness. If we do not feel worthy, we will not allow ourselves to receive. And some people will are very needy in their mind and will let other people take care of them, but they don't feel good about it. So the receptivity that I'm talking about is one where you feel worthy that God would, that the infinite love of God, the universe, as Rob said, is providing for you at every turn. And you're, you're moving through your life day after day thinking, what wonderful thing is going to happen today? How will I get to be of service today? How will somebody else be of service to me today? These are the delights that I get to discover. 
we can actually live that way because it's how we're designed to live. So I'm inviting everyone to start sharing in the Facebook group what are the challenges that come up for you at this time of year and to start uncovering your beliefs, working with your prayer partner, being transparent and authentic, and let's bring all these things to the light. Let's do it collectively and have a collective healing because we're attracted to being in the same group together because we're meant to do this work together because we have similar beliefs. All right. All righty, all righty. What a great class. Thank you for everyone sharing. I'm going to say a prayer and then I'm going to play a song. Got the perfect song here for you. All righty. Thank you, everyone, for your deep listening. It's just so powerful and so beautiful. So we're grateful and thankful right now to recognize the love of God is all that there is and all that we are. We're grateful and thankful to say yes to the intelligence, the love of God that's revealing itself in our awareness, leading us and guiding us. We're grateful and thankful to consciously remember to partner up again and again throughout the day and recognize I am that I am and the I am that I am is one with the I am of every being everywhere. One life, one love, one intelligence, and we're all having a healing. All false beliefs are falling away. The truth is revealing itself. We are worthy. And so we're willing to be receptive to the good of God that is our destiny, is our inheritance, and we are willing to be willing to receive it. In grace and gratitude, we truly share the benefits with all beings. We are calling forth the end of lack and limitation thinking forever. In grace and gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. So the song I'm going to play... Uh, is the one that I referred to in that How to Break the Habit of Playing Small Classes. And it is the song, I don't know how anyone would ever remember these things. Uh, sometimes, you know, people don't make it easy for you. It's funny. But the name of the song is called Tub Thumper. Tub Thumper by the band Chumba Wamba. Chumba Wamba, Tub Thumper by Chumba Wamba. And uh, as I was saying in that How to Break the Habit of Playing Small class, it uh, it's a song that uh, I would sing to the ego. So here it is for you. Enjoy. Truth is, I thought it mattered. I thought that music mattered. But does it bollocks? Not compared to how people matter.
The moderator has left the conference.